From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Friday, December 18th, 2020. On Fridays, Alicia Bales talks with Mendocino County's Public Health Officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, about the county's response to the pandemic and listeners call in with their questions. Just Andy Corrin and Becky Emery with the Open Lines segment of the county's coronavirus update information. Welcome to both of you. Thanks so much for joining us again on KZYX. So that was another uh, kind of enormous briefing. Uh, Not the smallest is that vaccines started for coronavirus yesterday in Mendocino County. The county live streamed the first shots, including I think the very first person was Dr. Mark Luato and uh, the third person was Dr. Drew Colfax. So uh, we're all in the family here. Um, It was a very, very exciting day. So Dr. Corin, can you just start by uh, talking about that milestone of vaccines in the county? Well, you know, we've been hearing that we're going to get the Pfizer vaccine for some time, uh, and it was on again, off again, and you know, it wasn't all that sure when we were going to get it, but we had done our planning. Uh, Becky Emery and the rest of the uh, DOC have been doing an incredible job uh, figuring out these sometimes very vague instructions from the state, uh, but also then involving all of our partners, the hospitals, the clinics, the emergency medical service workers. Uh, We've even had uh, teachers and people from government on the line together uh, planning how we would distribute this in the way that's outlined by CDC and CDPH to follow an ethical and equitable framework. So, you know, we were hoping it was going to come on Wednesday. We've already had a uh, deep freeze freezer ordered, uh, but it didn't come soon enough. So um, we were able to find space in Uh, one of our hospitals, and uh, they have partnered with us the whole way and are are helping us a great deal. Um, So we got our vaccines on Thursday morning, and uh, you you can imagine our excitement um, because this is, in many ways, the beginning of the window to the end of this, uh, uh, you know, end of this terrible period of time in our lives. Um, well, I know that our listeners have a lot of questions for you because the phones are ringing okay. off the hook. So let's put out okay. the let's put out the number one more time. It's 707-895-2448. And let's go ahead and take our first call. Good Hi. afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hi. Good afternoon. Um, what I would like to know is can you still transmit the COVID after you're vaccinated? I have heard that the vaccine protects the person who's vaccinated from illness and hospitalization, but that that individual can still carry the virus. They can still be infected and be contagious even though they do not get sick. Thank you. Good question. So there's a lot we don't know about the, the vaccine. I mean, we've, we've produced a vaccine for a, a, an illness in less than a year. I don't think that's ever been done anywhere. And uh, we've gotten our first people vaccinated and uh, probably in their phase, uh, uh, phase one and two and three trials, they have some that have had the, vaccine, the uh, vaccination done for uh, a few months, but what the long-term protection and even the intermediate-term protection is, is not 100% known. I can say this, that after one vaccination, 
there's significantly less uh, um, immunity to the infection than there is after two. That's why it's a two-dose series. After two doses, there's still some time before the body develops sufficient immunity for us to say this person is immunized. And as you know, even in the best of situations, this vaccine is not 100% uh, effect. It's not expected to be 100% effective. It's amazing that it has uh, achieved 95% um, efficacy in some trials, uh, but really the big trial is, is happening now. We will see how it goes. So some of the early research statements have been that without the full immunity, it looks like it will initially protect the person against the severest form of the disease. And there still may be some um, uh, um, contagion, some infection, and some transmission. How much is very hard to judge. So there is truth to that. All right. So uh, even if the vaccine brings upon the, the, the full immunity, it, you may still be able to shed virus that's infectious to others? Well, certainly between the first and the second dose, um, the efficacy would be expected to be significantly less. That's why there's a two-dose series. And uh, what would be effective could be, you know, 20% of people don't get any infection and they don't transmit and they're all fine. Or it could be you get, you know, everybody gets a little bit of protection. And the problem is right now we don't know. And bodies work differently. So some people might get complete immunity and they don't have to worry about it. And we don't know about that. So, you know, we, we base the recommendations on the research and the research, you know, and the, the evidence that's generated from the research. And we just don't have enough time with this to know it 100%. So it's going to be a developing science. All right. Let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. Are you still there? Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I have... Two questions about OptumServe in Fort Bragg. Um, my first question is, um, how long do you think it will take before you get results? And my second question is, somebody said how you um, how you sign up for it, but I didn't quite catch that, so I'd like to hear that again. Good questions. I'll answer the first part and then let Becky go to the operational part of it. Um, so what I'm understanding, remember, we have a new lab in our state that is really a state lab devoted to testing for COVID. And it started uh, being able to produce 40 to 50,000 tests or process 40 to 50,000 tests a day. And it's working its way up over the next few months to 150,000 tests per day. Um, my understanding and the other thing is when a lab starts up, it's very hard to get results out right away. It takes, you know, this startup period. Um, so when they first went live, we were, you know, durations that went back to March and, and uh, April and June, where it took almost a week for some people. It is now down, the, the majority of test results are being reported out within two days. And I mean, 80% or so are within two days. Uh, there's 50-some percent now, as I understand it from the state, that you'll get the, the result in a day, day and a half. So it's getting much better. They're devoted to this. It's not like the old labs that did a whole lot of other things, and they couldn't quite get the COVID tests out in time. So as far as how to, uh, how to do it, 
on how to get registered for it and so on. I'm going to turn that over to Becky. So you can register two ways. Uh, you can call and get an appointment and also register to get a patient number. And they're not doing appointments in Fort Bragg, so I apologize. So, But uh, you would get a patient number to register, and that's by calling 888-634-1123. Or you can go online to lhi.care forward slash COVID testing to get, again, schedule a patient appointment and get registered. You wouldn't schedule an actual appointment for the event because it's uh, open events. So they do a first come first serve of those registered individuals of 165 tests. And it can, uh, they are working, just so that you know, they are working to have the test done and results back within two days, but sometimes there have been some reports of it taking up to four days uh, as well. Right. That's exciting to hear. It's getting faster. My last test did take four days to get the test back, but then it was negative, so it was worth it. Um, all right. Let's take our next call. Good afternoon, Colin. Hello. Hello. You're live on the air. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my question is about kind of the order we're going to do this. Uh, I actually had a dream about this, if you can believe that. Uh, is there going to become a time when um, the, the problem with these vaccines is that once they're prepared to be used, they only last for a certain amount of time, and they have to be used up. I'm wondering if at some point there will be a standby list or a list of human vaccine sponges or whatever you want to call it, people who are prepared in case it's going to go to waste. And and then the broader question of, you know, after the the hospital staff and the uh, uh, the, the congregate living people and the essential workers. How is the rest of it going to be sorted out in terms of priority? I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Great. All good questions. So first thing I want to say is, uh, yes, these these will be wasted if once you puncture the, uh, the vial, you don't use that uh, vaccine uh, in five hours. So we have five hours to dispense it. And the interesting thing that we just learned uh, when we got these is that while every vial is supposed to contain five vaccines, some of them contain six and some of them contain seven. So the caller's concern uh, is our concern. We're looking at that too. So as we uh, are creating lists of the first priority uh, people to give vaccines to, um, we are, we are um, making sure that we alert some additional people that'll stay in the wings they will understand they may get it and they may not get it. But if we do have extra vaccine, we would we, we definitely don't want to um, waste any of it. So it's precious, scarce uh, resource that we want to give. So that's a great question and that's my answer. Um, as far as how we're going through it, remember that uh, the California Department of Public Health has developed a um, ethical and equitable framework. Uh, so we distribute these vaccines to the people that will do that, it will help the most, and uh, and that includes, of course, the people who are the most vulnerable in our skilled nursing facilities, and their and their people who take care of them. And there's a special uh, um, process to get to uh, get those vaccines out to them. And if they're registered, it will go through CVS and uh, possibly Walgreens. Depends on the area of the country that you're in, but they have a special contract 
and they will actually have a vaccine team that will go to the site uh, of the nursing home and dispense those uh, vaccines, administer the vaccines to the staff and the patients. But the rest of the vaccines are also distributed based on this uh, ethical framework. And so you do have the uh, first, uh, the uh, healthcare workers in hospitals. Let me get this paper out to cheat here. Um, and the uh, critical uh, safety workers, first responders, like uh, emergency medical service workers, um, and uh, of course the healthcare providers. But healthcare providers and hospital workers does not just, in fact, it, it definitely doesn't just focus on doctors and nurses. Equitable means that it will also uh, affect and, and uh, be priority for those people who actually come in contact with uh, people with COVID. So there will be housekeepers, there will be people in the food service, uh, there will be LVNs and uh, uh, nurse, uh, 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 nurses assistants, um, all the way up and down the hierarchical, you know, professional ladder. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're at this point taking names and we're looking at their actual positions in the hospital. And, uh, and we really want to get it to a, a broad spectrum of people. But we know that we need to get it to people like ambulance uh, workers, uh, paramedics, uh, EMTs, yep. and uh, people in our emergency services so that they can continue to, you know, to help save lives. How um, much of a dent so, does 975 doses make into those communities in Mendocino County? Well, I can give you an example that's kind of a general example. Um, you know, all of us are trying to be very careful to get it to the people who really need it the most. Um, and we... Uh, we definitely felt that the hospital workers would be the most in need because they come in contact uh, with COVID patients so much. Uh, but as we gave it to the hospitals, they looked at their staff and who fell into the, the right categories. And it turned out they really only needed this time 300 doses. Why is that? Because a lot of the people who work in the hospital are not those frontline people that are in direct contact with the COVID patients. So they were very conservative. That left a lot more for our uh, emergency service workers and, and so on and so forth. All right. Well, Alicia, I would yeah, just add ahead, that we have worked very closely with all of our partners in this first round to make sure that none of the doses are being wasted. And they have extra people lined up to get those doses as we're administering them so that we are very, very careful in making sure that they all go to those frontline individuals. All right. Well, I have a lot of questions, but this time is for our listeners. Uh, this is an open lines Q&A with Dr. Andy Corin, Mendocino County's public health officer, and Becky Emery, the department operations manager uh, for Mendocino County. So let's take our next caller. If they have patiently waited. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. It's, it's, it's your turn, caller. You are live on the air. Okay. They did not wait. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. My question is, um, I am a, a nurse here in Mendocino County, but I do not work for um, the hospital. I work in a home health and hospice. And um, so as far as I know, uh, my employer does not have um, the vaccine. And I'm wondering if there is a way to um, be prioritized for or receive the vaccine that's not through uh, my employer. Um, I do have direct contact with uh, COVID patients. 
um, you know, but however, as far as I'm hearing, um, you know, most uh, vaccines are, are basically allocated only through hospitals for frontline workers. So um, is there a way to get vaccinated if you're a frontline worker that's not through a hospital? Thank you. Yeah, so there is, we are looking at all of the, uh, of the healthcare workers in our community and seeing who is frontline most exposed, most likely to be exposed to COVID uh, positive patients. And so actually there is a place where um, um, clinic and outpatient home health and hospice providers um, are within this uh, framework. And so without going into the details of it, um, it looks like you're, you're high up in the, in the selection, but you're not where we have enough vaccines to go around yet. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if the uh, uh, organization that you're associated with gets notified um, that there are some vaccines you wanted and, uh, you know, what's your name and other risk factors and what do you actually do? All right, let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on KZYX. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on KZYX. Hi, um, I just was wondering why um, it's going to be um, like three weeks before the next Friday um, update with um, you guys and with the surge and everything that's going on, um, if the hospitals run out of ICU beds, um, if that's going to be addressed, I mean, you know, just I know everything's looking really positive with the vaccine and everything, but reality is that there's not enough of it here. So we're still dealing with all this and all the extreme amounts of um, COVID cases that are being reported every day on the um, County of Mendocino website. So just wondering why it's a three-week break from here to there with any more uh, reports from you guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Good question. I'll try and, I'll try and answer it as honestly as I can. Uh, next week is Christmas and the following week is New Year's and the people who have been working on this are working on it seven days a week all day long and they need a break and so um, it's been decided that if now clearly if something uh, major comes out we have other ways to communicate but we didn't want to have a regular media day that takes an awful lot more work and would take away from some of the other work that we need to take on that's that's the most honest answer i can give you yes next friday is christmas and the friday after that is new year's and i don't think the reporters are going to be available either but will you be doing your um your updates to the board in any capacity i know you'll keep on doing the dashboard every day through public health well the updates to the board happen on tuesdays Mm -hmm. so So yes those will be done those won't have a holiday um there are no left for the rest of the month the next board meeting is uh, January 5th. Okay. So the first two is, well, not quite, but yeah. But if we find something and it's not just newsworthy, but it's important for our community to know, we'll get the word out. Okay. And we also promise to amplify that word here on KCYX. So the number here in the studio, 895-2448. We'll take our next caller. This is Open Lines with Dr. Andy Corrin. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, uh, my question has nothing to do with the vaccine, although I'm excited that we have it now. That's great news. Um, my question has to do with the population of the, the prisoners, the prison population, 
And something I heard a couple weeks ago about apparently the state is going to start sending prisoners out of places like San Quentin again, which caused a lot of problems here. In fact, our first case, if everybody remembers, was from someone who was released from Chino and came up here when he wasn't supposed to. So I'd like to know if Dr. Korn or anyone has any information about that or if that can be addressed at the next update. Thank you. Well, that's a good question. Uh, we do know generally that congregate care, uh, uh, congregate living situations is a very high risk for transmission. And our jails um, are a congregate living situation. Um, and people who are there are there for very uh, specific reasons and for very specific sentences, uh, but don't deserve to be in a situation where their sheer numbers is creating a huge risk for outbreaks. So, so some people who I believe were less, I don't know the specifics, but I know that our sheriff looks at uh, potential transfers to our jails and uh, there's some negotiation based on how many weeks or months are left in this person's sentence. What are they being sentenced for? Can we uh, put them here in our county safely? Um, and yes, with the knowledge of what's happened in the past with, uh, with transmission, with transfers, um, decisions are made uh, to either let people go or let them go to less populated uh, jails. And more than that, I, I can't answer. All right. Thank you for that. Oh, I, would, I should say... I should say that the other thing that's happening in jails is surveillance testing. You know, the the uh, the um, officers who are there and also the people in jail are being uh, are uh, being tested on a regular basis, and uh, and they're being treated like we would in a in a um, nursing home situation where they're moved around in order to keep as many people safe as possible. But it's not always possible. So there's there's always the risk. All right, let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, great. Um, I missed the phone number for making an appointment, and, uh, and I wanted to make sure that was Fort Bragg and not Ukiah. Can you tell me about that? We'll have Becky answer that, please. Certainly. The phone number is 1-888-634-1134. And that is Fort Bragg. Right. That's for getting a patient ID number, right? So you can go to testing in Fort Bragg, not necessarily for making an appointment. And what days are they? They're in Fort, certainly, they are in Fort Bragg on Tuesdays at the Veterans Hall from 9 a.m. until they complete their testing or 5 p.m., whichever comes first. And they do 165 tests. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Yes, um, I'm a therapist uh, in private practice in Ukiah, and I also um, am a service provider, contract provider for the hospital for uh, a group, art therapy group that can't meet right now because of COVID. And so I'm wondering about what's the status for therapists. Um, I also work with kids, and I and I've really way cut back my services, which I think it, I know a lot of other therapists who are doing the same, and that's, I think, really impacting the mental health for, you know, our community. 
Um, so I'm just wondering about um, the vaccine for therapists in the community of that. I haven't heard anything about that. Maybe I missed it, but that's my question. Well, if you're working in a uh, in a hospital and you're a healthcare worker, we would consider you a healthcare worker. Uh, you're on the list, and uh, some depends on where on the list. Um, and it, and uh, the hospital will probably be contacting people in your department and say, you know, whether you're face to face with COVID patients and what's your relative risk to other people, and put you on a list to get it. Um, so you're definitely listed. I mean, I can see here therapists, but um, this is still a little bit fluid, and part of it's due to this um, this ethical framework that the state has pulled out, but also it, it doesn't translate directly to every community and every hospital the same way. And what about private practice therapists in the community that need to get out there and get services to their clients? Um, I mean, besides, you know, besides telehealth, I know many are have moved to that, but with kids, that's really um, not a very successful, uh, it's not the best mode, let's just put it that way. Right. Well, other healthcare workers as a general category are definitely in this group. So how you'll be contacted um, is a good question. I don't know. Certainly if you're associated with a uh, an organization, a hospital, or an outpatient therapy group, uh, there should be a way to to uh, to figure out, you know, how many of you are there and how will you fit into your community's vaccine program. Becky, do you have anything else to add? Who's going to be doing the contacting of these workplaces? Is it you or is it the State Department of Public Health? Well, initially it'll be the local health departments. Um, if they're in the hospitals, it'll be the hospital. Because a hospital, especially in our hospitals in Mendocino County, they're all part of a multi-county entity. And that's going to get its own distribution uh, separate from the local health department. Uh, but for other healthcare workers who are not in uh, the advanced health system in our county, um, uh, it would be our responsibility initially. But as, as the time marches on, we're hoping that there will be vaccines that will be available uh, through... Uh, other clinics and other providers if they sign up to get those vaccines. But we're talking months down the road. All right. Well, we're coming up to the end of the half hour, so I want to try to get one or two more calls in if we can. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hello. Are you there? Hmm. Strange phone behavior. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Yes, I wanted to just confirm that the general public will be getting the vaccine at the end of summer. That's I thought I heard that, but okay. I wanted to Your confirm Your phone it. line is terrible, so I'll go ahead and re-ask that question. Uh, general public will be getting the vaccine at the end of sure. the summer? Yes, that's as close as I can get to an answer. We're, we're hoping so. All right, hoping for the end of summer. That does not... Good news. Okay. Anyway, next. Uh, call. Now remember, there's you know there's billions and millions of people who are in that program, and uh, and this is the first time everybody's getting vaccinated, and uh, we don't know how well the production will go with all of these vaccines. Hopefully, there'll be more and more coming online, and we'll be able to go a little faster. 
Yeah. Um, but at this point, I don't want to raise people's hopes. It's so expectation thinking. management. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Uh, caller, are you there? I am. All right, go ahead with your question, please. Um, can you please summarize the options for testing? Um, I know right now there's weekly testing on Tuesday in Fort Bragg. So I'm speaking specifically to the coast. Uh, I know a lot of people that don't have a you know, primary care provider. So what is the option if you are symptomatic and what is the option if you are asymptomatic and you just want to be screened? Is there anything in addition to the Tuesday testing? First of all, if you're symptomatic, it shouldn't be at the Tuesday screening testing because they're not prepared for people who may be COVID positive. There's different uh, uh, personal protective equipment and different procedures that they use uh, when we're expecting someone who is sick and may actually have COVID. So don't use those facilities for that. And for the actual schedules and timelines, I'm going to ask if Becky is still on the, on the phone and can clarify that. So for actual schedules, we do have a study testing in Fort Bragg as shared um, on Tuesdays, and we are working on uh, other testing throughout the communities. Uh, we are also partnering with the clinics, and they are going to be working towards uh, the ability to provide surveillance as well. Uh, and so those are all in process. And so at this time, the only uh, steady surveillance site is um, the Veterans Hall in uh, Fort Bragg. All right, and if you are symptomatic, what is your suggestion you there? Your, you should see your, your doctor, your primary care provider, maybe a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, or the emergency room. Okay, and so if you don't have a primary care provider, you should go to the emergency room? Well, why not call one of the other primary care providers around and explain the situation? I okay. think that makes, if you're very sick, you need to use the emergency room, of course. But if you're mildly ill, it makes more sense to try and get into a primary care provider's office. Okay, so on the coast... Or have them be... order. Or have them order the test. Uh-huh. So on the coast, that would be Mendocino Coast Clinics. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, uh, We've got just a couple seconds. Can we take one more call? The phones are ringing off the hook. Good for me. Okay, good. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Well, that was anticlimactic. I don't, I don't know why, but we lost them. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Um, I got a test at in Albion about two weeks ago, and we never received any results. Could I uh, rightly assume that that means negative? Um, I never like to say no news is good news. So there is a call center number uh, to call for situations like that. And unfortunately, I don't have it uh, right in front of me. Uh, Four seven two two seven five nine. There you go. We put Thank it up you. on the wall in the studio. Uh, this was survey. This was, was outbreak testing in in Albion, right? I was going to say that yes. was outbreak testing. So yes, we only contact those individuals that are positive. Okay. Okay. My bad. So yeah, but here's that number again, just in case it's four seven two two seven five nine. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it. It's 331. Thank you for indulging us for one extra minute. And um, we're going to let you go now for your holiday break. And we'll see you back on, you said the next briefing is going to be January 8th. So we'll see you back here on KZYX for our Q&A on January 8th as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll stay tuned. All right. Be well.
And this is Alicia Bales. That was Dr. Andy Corin, our public health officer here in Mendocino County, and Becky Emery, who is the manager of the Department Operations Center for the Health and Human Services here in the county, doing the lion's share of the heavy lifting in our county's pandemic response. We do this every Friday from 3 to 3.30 with the county uh, response team to give you a chance to call and ask your questions. Of course, we're taking next Friday off. It's Christmas, and the Friday after that is New Year's, so there won't be a briefing. Uh, But we will be here Monday and Wednesday of next week and the following week with Dr. Drew Colfax for our regular local coronavirus update segment Monday and Wednesday from 3 to 3.30. So plenty of coronavirus news for you here on KZYX. We appreciate you listening and calling in, and and we'll be back with more on Monday. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYX and Z Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.